This one's real gay. It's real gay. Happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride. Also, I, this for the first time ever, I know somebody in it. So. I can't wait to find out who it is. You haven't told me yet. <laughs> I told you. I said it takes place in New York City gay bars. Of course I know somebody. <laughs> Hi, Jillian Bezavali. Hi, Patrick Hines. Fam, couple quick things at the top. I hope you're checking out Let the Women Do the Work. Jillian's new podcast drops every Thursday in the TCO feed. We just did the one with Roberta from Lula Rich. Yes, which was a Rowe. fascinating episode. Rabia Chaudhry, Connie Walker, yeah. Lori Davis from yes. the West Memphis Three, Maggie Freeling, Amanda Villegas, Je- oh Gemma God. Hoskins from the Keepers. Gemma Hoskins from the Keepers. It's so great. It's documentary style. You won't be bored. It's a beautiful soundscape. It's an interview cut with news clips and music. It's so yeah. so great. The team who worked on this, they're all excellent, excellent women. Yes. Thank you. Please come see me on tour. I'm bringing the TCO Disappearance of Maura Murray live show on the road. It's really, really funny. We're coming to Florida, St. Paul. We're going to Texas. We're going to Atlanta. Not in that order. Yeah, not in that order. But I hear that you're going to the South in hurricane season. Is that correct? I can't. And we're going to Florida and Texas in the dead of August. Amazing. It's Have fun. So Tell good. Nancy and Timmy and Maggie and all of our beautiful <laughs> listeners I say hi. And I mean that sincerely. I that will. sounds really shitty, but I mean it. I want to be clear. The show is really funny. It's a comedy show, but you got all the latest updates of the case. Yes. Julie Murray's coming to one of them. Maura's oh, sister. Yeah, we're being really sure to like tell ways you can support the family. Yes. There are certain calls to action that you can do. It's going to be really great. Come meet your TCO besties. Our merch store is still open. Yes, it is. For another couple weeks or so, so get your stuff. I know. We extended it for you. We did. And lastly, join us on the Patreon if you want more Jillian and me. Right now, we're covering wild, what's it called? Wild crime on Hulu. Look, it's the only time I'm going into the woods is to solve this murder. I mean, it, well, I solved it. Yeah. I think we solved it in episode one but it's basically if Michael Peterson did the outdoors it's true it's kind of that it's, it's really crazy bad. it's very good you can also find I'll Be Gone in the Dark Lorena The Vow Heaven's Gate The Staircase the if you're sta- watching oh, it on HBO of- go back somebody was saying like our coverage of The Staircase which we did so early on is their favorite it's very funny it's very good oh man that's Patty Peterson and Automobile that's oh where that, all, that, that whole mess started <laughs> <I know. laughs> All right, girl, what are we talking about today? So it's an oxygen show called Mark of a Serial Killer, and yeah. the episode is called Last Call Killer. I've seen dead bodies before, but that day was the first time I actually saw dismemberment. Two months later, we had another case now. We knew we had another body. Then another victim later on. The cup marks were similar in all three victims. It took what somebody could do to a human body to a new level. We knew we had somebody that was dangerous. I don't think he was going to stop. I don't think he was going to stop at all. More than 20 investigators were working on the task force. On a forensic end, we were searching to find out where the bags had come from. We had to trace the evidence. The detectives had me do a composite of the man that was sitting next to Michael that night. They have a match. We had to find this guy. Super gay. I didn't know this was a gay thing until I was like a minute in. I was like, oh, this is going to be some gay shit. But it's interesting. This is like a pretty famous case in the LGBTQ plus community. What is wrong with me? Why have I never heard of this? I don't know. I feel like a very bad gay during Even the name of the serial killer is... is, (laughs) It's true. We'll get there. But he's named for the first EGOT winner. We'll get to it in a minute. (laughs) So it's July 10th, 1992. We're in Burlington County, New Jersey, two hours south of New York City. Workers were actually taking the garbage cans uh, along roadside on Route 72. One of the workers noticed the bag 
When he picked it up, it had some weight to it, and he noticed some blood on the bag. When they opened the bag, they discovered uh, a human head. These garbage collectors do this thing that happens throughout this documentary yes. that I will never understand. What? They're going into these trash cans and picking up these like very heavy bags and they notice that there's blood on the bags and rather than running for their goddamn lives, they open up these bags to see what's inside. What do you think's gonna be inside? Justice. Okay. <laughs> Getting to the bottom of what the hell happened. Yeah, but first it's gonna be a whole bunch of heads and arms and legs. Well, you know what? It's why they have that job and you have this one. That's true. There's but a like, reason. There's a reason I, you're not out there. Yes. For so many reasons. <laughs> Reasons, but I would be such a bitch about how the trash smells. You would be. I, we can't even get into. Can it. you imagine being on a guard? You're the other guy in the garbage no. truck with me, Jillian. It really. Sm- it still smells. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why did I do this with my life? I don't know. We're going 85 miles an hour up yeah. 10th Avenue. Yeah, and we're going faster. For some reason, if I'm driving, I think that if I go faster, you can't catch up with me. And forgetting that you're actually on the truck with me. You're what? Trying- I can't hear you. I'm you're sorry. aiming for the potholes to get me thrown off the truck. Well, I'm not a monster, but you know, look, I signed. I showed up to work. Too, so I, I have no one to blame but myself. Look, I've got a lot of respect for these guys. It's a tough job, but like, I, they opened the blood-soaked trash bag. You could not make it make sense. I know. And then they call the authorities, who's Detective John Halliday from Major Crimes, oh, God. New Jersey State Police. When I arrived at the scene, first thing you could see, there was a head in the bag. It was blood on the face, and um, he had like white or gray hair. I remember his eyes were open. The eyes are open. I know. The eyes are open. It's really and bad. And let me tell you this. I mean, no disrespect to this man who, who was murdered. If I am fucking murdered, I am dying with my eyes open. Why? Because, <laughs> I don't know. I, you <laughs> your eyes just got wide. You went to and your arms went out. Well, I want everyone to know that I saw it and I'm, I don't know. And you can't give us any answers. I and don't so, know. I know. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds fucking awful. It's horrible. And yeah. then there were other bags, too. So in the other bags, they found, oh, this is so horrible. Everyone pull over. Get it's out of the really car. Get don't out. Even, just go get inside. Out. Yeah. Go inside. Sit down. Have some water. Have a Cosmo. Happy Pride. And hydrate. Please. Yeah. Also, happy Pride. Stay hydrated during Pride. <laughs> in the other bags, they found an upper torso, a left and yeah. right arm, the intestines, the legs and lower torso are not at the scene that they want us to know. And then they we learned that 30 miles down the highway, there are more bags and more body parts. And Why? I got to say... This this one cop, he's with us throughout. I like this guy. He just says, I've seen dead bodies before, but that day was the first time I actually saw dismemberment. When you sign up for that job, you're really signing up for all of it. For all of it. And, oh. you know, do your job, which would be nice. Yes. This guy seems to be doing a little, at least a little bit. So we learned that the cause of death was multiple stab wounds. Yeah. But this is, again, I'm so sorry. We should have really given a trigger warning at the yeah. top of this. Uh, honestly, this is horrible and my fault for not saying it. Yeah. But we learned that the murderer didn't cut the bones. He did something that they describe as he disarticulated the joints. So they say this word disarticulated about 100 times about. in this 40-minute episode. Yeah. Like, if there are kids nearby, maybe give them the Cosmo. But, like, yeah. they... That's smart idea. It's a good idea to give them a screen and a you, Cosmo. You take the water, you give yeah. the kids the alcohol. The screen and the Cosmo. I'm a great dad. You're I'm great. nailing it. Where's your kid again? Like right now, do you know Which exactly where one? she is? Who? Never mind. I don't, wait <laughs> a minute. I said too much. No, but like disarticulating means, and this is graphic, but I'm going to try to say it technically. It's like cutting and separating the leg off of a chicken without cutting the bone itself. You need to have an understanding of human anatomy to be able to disarticulate a joint. 
he's able to like cut the bone and the tendon in a way that he can separate the limbs from the body without making it like a big fucking mess. Right. Did I say that scientifically enough? Sure. And what this means is, is that he had to have a very good knowledge of human anatomy and that comes into play later. So just remember that. Yeah. And all these bags are double bagged and they're double knotted. We're going to learn that that's kind of a calling card of this guy. Right. And they found a briefcase and a wallet and they learned that this person is named Thomas Mulcahy. And we'll get to him in a second. You're going to leave out the Bostonian shoes? Because they say we found a briefcase, a pair of Bostonian shoes, and a wallet. And I thought, is Bostonian the brand or does it just say Duncan? Duncan. Right across it. Yeah. It says Duncan. In my notes in parentheses, I have dress shoes! (laughs) Exclamation point. Bostonian shoes. I've never heard them called that before. Me either. And now I desperately want a pair of Duncan sneakers. Yeah, they're they're just they're bright white sneakers <laughs> with Duncan and pink Duncan. and orange on them. <laughs> And they smell like coffee all the time. Say the word L-A-U-N-D-R. You know, you're getting a lot of shit for this in the Facebook group. Well, where are you going? You're playing shows, but what We're is it We're going on tour. I don't understand. You said, tour. and they always smell like coffee. Caffee. <laughs> There's no A in coffee. I love you so much. I love you. So this guy's name is Thomas Mulcahy. Thomas Mulcahy was a technology salesman who lived in Sudbury, Massachusetts. We spoke to his family. We learned that Mr. Mulcahy was married. He had four children. Um, He was 57 years old at the time of his death. And he was in New York City on a business conference. He had been in New York City on a business trip. Now, this is where I started to get an inkling that this was going to be some gay shit. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, it's a dude killed by a dude in a weird, aggressive mm-hmm. kind of way. This is going to be some gay shit. The next thing they say is that the, the cops tracked his movements using his credit card. And I went, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because, uh-uh. I'm sorry, but like, if you're 57 years old and you're on a business trip and you're staying in New York City, you're doing some things you don't want your wife to know about. Well, I'm not just, always. I'm just Sometimes saying, a business trip is just a business trip. Yes, but this guy, I don't know. I immediately was like, oh no, like I, they're going to track his movements. They like, when you are alive uh-huh. and you're not murdered yeah. and you're on a business trip in New York City, you're spending your money as though no one's ever going to look at these records, is all I'm saying. I see. You know what I mean? I didn't make that connection. Yeah. I just I, figured that was their only way to track where he was. Yes, like, they're doing a good thing, but it's just like, fam, live your life like somebody's going to be tracking your records. You know oh, what I mean? yikes. Well, <laughs> here's where he went. He went to dinner at Townhouse and here's where I know somebody. Okay, so here's the thing. Townhouse is this... It looks like a townhouse. It looks like you walk up the stairs, it looks like you're going into someone's like old home. It is, but it is as gay... As Jillian Pensavalli. Mike and I used to go there all the time, which is how I know Rick Underberg, who's here. The pianist? He's the piano player. You know the pianist from the town. This place is so gay, you guys. It's so gay. There's like the gay clubs that like the cool kids go to or like the young kids. The townhouse has been around since the 1420s. (laughs) Just about. And like it's all the old queens just go there to drink their dainty martinis. And sing around the piano. Sing around the piano. And downstairs, which is like every gay bar, that's the cruisy joint downstairs. My friend Mike, not the Mike Jensen that you know, different Mike used to go to this because he had a profile on gaymillionaires.com. Stop it. Which was a website where young Twinkie guys like my little friend Mike would try to find like millionaire old men to be their like sugar Honestly, daddy. like Townhouse should have it should have been like sponsored by Townhouse. That's the only gay bar in the city where you can do that. That is exactly right. right. I mean, that is like, that is the Townhouse. So Rick Unterberg, when I was like, oh my God, 
And I screamed. I was like, Mike, get in here. So Mike and I used to go all the time. And it was one of those places, again, it feels like someone's living room. So you were singing around the piano. And Rick Underberg is a phenomenal piano player. And he would always call us the newlyweds, no matter what. Because we were like the couple there. He would always, like, Mike is an amazing singer. And Townhouse is one. Like, if I start naming songs, you'll be like, ugh. But, like, Townhouse (laughs) is the only place where it's, like, appropriate for Rick to be like, Jillian, maybe this time. You're up. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. That's what I mean by when I say as gay as Jillian, by the way. Like, I, to me, Jillian is a 65-year-old super gay man. Yes. Because you know all the words to maybe this time. <laughs> I was like, and I would say, like, Rick, no, I don't need I don't need this sheet music. Thank you so much. And he's like, all right. I also said that, like, when you sign up to be the pianist at a super gay gay bar, you never imagine you're going to be a, a talking head in a murder documentary. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. But what he's here to say is that... The Townhouse Bar is a piano bar, a predominantly gay piano bar in Manhattan on the east side. Upscale, it would be like doctors and lawyers and business guys. He describes it as upscale. A lot of doctors, a lot of lawyers, yeah. a lot of business guys. And I'm like, not downstairs. He also describes it as predominantly gay. I was like, it is singularly gay, right? I mean, Mike... Jillian and Mike are the only two straight people who have ever been in there. And Jillian's not even straight anymore. <laughs> well, so this is where Tom Mulcahy, like, met the killer. So obviously, like, the killer was, like, cruising a gay bar. But we learned from Detective John... Mrs. Mulcahy, she had thoughts and suspicion that he may have been bisexual. At one point, she found uh, some matches from an all-male nightclub in New York City in his in his pants pocket. She found some matches from an all-male nightclub in New York City in his pocket. Just say the duplex. Right. Just say a gay club. Just say like, the duplex. Splash. Right. But, like, this is what I mean. If you have a secret and you're on a business trip in New York City, have a secret credit card I or know, something. or pay cash. It's just, <laughs> yeah, 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 so, it's yeah, just totally. so sad that, like, it is. this life that this guy felt he couldn't share with his wife or I that know. she had suspicions or, like, just be by and get be mad. It's so it's super easy. I live it every day. It's really simple. I want to say something controversial. Sure. You know what this wife didn't do when she found out that her husband was bisexual. Talk to Murder him. him on the staircase. Well, yeah, there's that. Too. Because that's not a reason people kill people. That's not a reason. Yeah, Just saying. No. I'm not referring to anything in particular. The staircase. Is <laughs> that an owl? <laughs> Look, they focused on the owl all last week. I mean, if you guys haven't seen last week's episode, it is bananas. Tony Collette must be exhausted. I know. She, uh, that must be a, an incredibly hard role for her to do, and she's nailing it. We're talking about the staircase in HBO, you guys. There's an episode of the podcast where she talks about doing the death scene. It's crazy. But, like, scenes. Because yes, every episode is, like, maybe it's, like, clue. Like, or did it happen like this? It's true. It's true. It's so well done. It's terrifying. Anyway, so the cops tracked down the guy that Thomas was talking to at Townhouse. Yeah. So Thomas had been talking to some guy at the bar. At Townhouse, the piano bar. Yeah. And the police find that guy. And he's like, yeah, he wasn't really interested in me. He was really looking at some other guy across the room. And I was like, oh, thanks for coming, eyewitness. We've all been you. Yeah. We've all been the eyewitness in this scenario. nameless, faceless eyewitness. <laughs> who basically just has to relive the humiliation of not having this man be interested oh, in him. Right. So that was the last time this nameless faceless witness saw Thomas. But like, who's the guy he went over to? Yeah. We, we have like a little information. The gentleman described the individual in the bar that night as um, about five foot ten, uh, brown hair, thin built. Unfortunately for investigators, the description is too vague to be of much help. 
That's all we know. It's useless. It's way too vague. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's what the cops don't do. And like, here's what the cops don't know. Like, if you want to go to a place where everybody has memorized the faces of the other people in the room, go to a fucking gay bar. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because especially like in the pre-grinder days, you actually were like checking everybody out. They talk to this one witness at the bar and they never go back. It's like, go back and talk to your friend, the piano player. Go right. back and talk to any of the bartenders. Yeah. Like, I feel like there'd be far less dead people if they'd gone back to the gay bar that makes them feel icky. Yeah, I was going to say, but oh no, people. it's gay people. It's gay people, well, exactly. Well, if you want to solve the murder of a gay person or a bi person or whatever, then you have to talk to some of them. You just have to go back to the place where people saw the guy who did the killing. You know what's like less icky than taking dismembered body parts out of a bag, walking into a fucking totally. gay bar at two in the afternoon? Totally. Although Jesus it can Christ. be icky, I'll give you that. Not it's a different kind of it's icky. It's a different kind of icky. It's icky in italics. Exactly. <laughs> so because Happy Pride. Happy Pride, because they refuse to go back into the no homo place or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They go back to the evidence, which also is, which is great. Let's not begrudge them yeah, for Thank you for doing that. Evidence, yeah. Right. So there are eight rubber gloves all covered in blood. And they show it to us like I know, too much. Documentary people. I want to say this out loud. Just because you have the pictures doesn't mean you have to use the pictures. Yeah. Good for you for getting the pictures. Great. We don't always have to see them. Yes. Also, when you're blurring out the head in the trash bag, I can still see it. I know. Bad blur job all around. Bad blur job. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. We found eight rubber gloves along with the packaging for the gloves as well as a keyhole saw and the packaging for a saw. The box had the price tag from CVS. They also found the packaging for the saw that still had the CVS tag on it, you fucking dumb genius. My favorite thing, too, was that I was like, oh, God, whoever bought this at the CVS got that 15-mile-long receipt. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Thankfully. It's the only time I'm like, wow, <laughs> we know. might get some justice. Thanks. But they call the CVS store, and they find that all of these things were purchased on Staten Island and a hardware store nearby. So it's all we're all on Staten Island. And, now. like, just to reiterate, the killer threw away the tools he used in the bag with the body. This guy does not give a shit about getting caught. He doesn't care at all. No. And so, no, there's no video surveillance why would there be right no real forensics to work from they asked for tips and at one point one of the cops is like we didn't receive any any tips we uh we, we did not receive any tips. No, right. we didn't. No, we didn't. So the case goes cold, and because they have nothing to go on, they just stop working on it. Which Great. is Thanks. just go back to the bar and talk to the bartender. They yeah. all saw the guy who did the killing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you end up singing Everything's Coming Up Roses, fine. I know. What's the harm? <laughs> Happy but Pride. just to, like, harp on this for a second, there aren't that many gay bars, which means that the people who go to the gay bars go there night after night after night. Yeah. It's not like a regular bar. And Townhouse specifically. It's a very, very particular kind of feel. If the cops had gone back there and spent time talking to people, they would have remembered both of these people. You could have gotten like a real description of the guy the dead guy left with. You know what I mean? Except Rick, who's too busy playing piano and he is wonderful at it. So good. Rick, I hope you're listening. Lady Pate, what the fuck? So it's May 10th, 1993. It's 10 months later. We're in Manchester Township, New Jersey. And we are told, quote, 10 months later, some unusual trash catches a local resident's eye. Number one, stealing some unusual trash for the name of my book. Yes. But they say this guy... Out of curiosity. Also, the reenactment, we see this guy pulling over to the side of the road at 2 o'clock in the fucking morning to investigate a bloody trash bag. Why do people do this? Out of curiosity. I know. I I know. They said said what? You know what? Just if you see blood on a trash bag, I'm not saying, like, do nothing. Just call the cops. Make a phone call. Don't open it. Don't open it. Because if it's not a dead person, it might be a dead cat. I don't know why you're inviting trauma into your life. I know. You're inviting 
inviting this, this image that you can never get out of your head for the rest of your life. You know why? New Jersey. I'm just kidding. All right, it's your turn to get shit from everybody about everything this week. New did, did, have fun. It's your turn to get shit from everyone about everything. That's this week. I'll I'll go back to my yeah, usual yeah, yeah, yeah. role of yeah. getting shit from Give it back to her. Everything. I'll take it for one week, you guys. Oh, she gets a week off. Oh God, or do I? So Detective Mike gets the call. You know, he's the Ocean County Sheriff's Office. He goes yeah. there and he immediately sees what he describes as a human like. <laughs> Not human, but human. Yeah, it's really bad. It's like a bag full of body parts. It's a head, arms, legs, upper torso. And it's a lot of detectives from the Thomas Mulcahy scene. So they're like, wait a second. This is the worst deja vu we've ever had. Why are we doing this again? Yeah. And so, like, here's what we learn. Both cases had the same mark. Both bodies were dismembered into seven pieces. Both bodies were bagged in similar type bags. There's a lot of similarities that are like, yeah, this is probably the same guy. Yeah. So our victim is Anthony Marrero. He's 43 years old. He's known as Fast Eddie on the street. Which gives Detective Mike a big chuckle. He thinks it's real funny. Nothing's funny about this Detective Mike. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but Anthony or Fast Eddie, he was a sex worker. Yes. He was gay. He had a record. And he was last seen going down to the village to meet a date. He worked out of the Port Authority, which is like two blocks from where we're sitting right now. And I do also want to say, like, the difference between, like, going down to the village, like, townhouses on the Upper East Side, yes. It looks like someone's living room again. Yeah. I'm just stressing that, like, now we're going to a different kind of gay bar. Yeah, so put a pin in that for just a second. The cops are going back to, like, the trash bags that all these body parts were found in. The bag containing the head had writing on it. It said, made with pride, President's Choice, by Bob H. and Jerry H. This was a limited edition bag. These are, like, artisan trash bags or I whatever. Guess, but guess what? We're back on Staten Island. I know. Well, right. Because they narrowed down, like, the 11 stores these trash bags could have come from. One of them was on Staten Island. Right. If you're going to do this kind of crazy, horrendous murder, go out of your neighborhood to buy the trash bags. You know what? Stay right where you are. Stay stupid. <laughs> Hashtag stay, stay stupid. right where yep, you are. Yep. So they have fingerprints this time, though. Yes. That's the difference. And so they run them through every system in the country. Everything comes back without a hit. There's nothing. Yeah. We're told they run them through the systems in every state that does that to which I said there are some states that don't do that I mean maybe back then but now god God, if I have anything to say about it Jillian's law just please like want to help people I know nice to people it just feels like so easy right? can we just centralize the databases I don't feel like that's asking if we can't clear all of the nature like we're asking for (laughs) on Patreon and put floodlights as far as the eye can see can we just centralize the databases I want the nature to exist yes hovering floodlight if we can have hoverboards right and make it all green and the sun we'll figure it out we'll we'll get there (laughs) So now we meet forensic psychologist Casey Jordan. We've met her before. I think we have. She I has said, some choice phrases. She in this sure episode. does. She took Diane Diamond's weekend course about how to get the shit you say to stay in the documentary. Yeah, and She's then have us it. talk about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Casey, <laughs> we'll be right back to you. Casey says, "If this were just a dismemberment, if this had just been a simple dismemberment, Casey." Casey. <laughs> Casey says a lot of things like that where I'm like, Casey, you're not saying what you think you're saying. I know. You're being very rude. You. And I don't like it. There's one thing we don't like in Queens. It's rudeness. It's ru- it is rudeness. It's rudeness. And walk fast on the proper side of the street. <laughs> don't take up the entire sidewalk, You guys please. heard the way she said fast, fast? Fast. Just please. So her point is we're back to this disarticulation thing. And she's saying that like, and I, I don't mean to be crude. This is not a joke. For the killer to take the body apart in a very ritualistic fashion, it is serving a very specific personal need that they have. Some serial killers, they have a ritual in mind that they expect to carry out on their victim. 
She's saying that it means that it like fulfills him like sexually in some way. And that kind of tells us something about the killer. And now three months after that, so over a year after the first body was found, yeah. there is another body. And it's the same thing. The garbage bags, double bag, double knotted, side of the road. Seven, yeah, but, it's all but, the same pattern, right? it, It's the same pattern, but it's also, what's different here is that this time, a hot dog vendor pulled off to a scenic overlook. Mm-hmm. He sees, like, it's like the middle of the afternoon. This this hot dog vendor's just taking a minute for himself to take in the scenery. He leans over a trash can, sees another fucking bloody trash bag, and opens it. And Casey Jordan says that's the effing point. Because uh-huh. she's saying, like, he's putting the bodies where they can be easily found. He's now taunting the police but and everybody else. I- I'm sorry. You're, it feels a little like you're normalizing opening a bloody trash I bag. I am doing no <laughs> such thing. Like, just even the fear of like, oh, I God, know. what is it going to be? What is I it going to be? That what? is enough to keep me up at night. Who on earth has that level of curiosity? Call the cops. You see a bloody trash <laughs> bag. You're right to assume there's something wrong here. Yeah. Call the cops. Let them deal with it. I fancy myself a curious person, but <laughs> I I would never be that curious. Also, hot dog vendor sounds like a fun job. Sure. Ruined his afternoon. As long as it's one of those like... Because, you know, hot dogs can be, like, really gross. Oh, yeah. Actually, no. All hot dogs are delicious. <laughs> False. <laughs> you know what? Stay ignorant about what's in your hot dogs. Totally Don't even Google it. You know Don't what? look That's it up. True. No. Stay ignorant. <laughs> stay ignorant. Centralize the databases. Right. We got two requests today. That's all. <laughs> and stay stupid. And stay stupid. <laughs> stay ignorant just about hot dogs. Open <laughs> up your mind about most other things, please. <laughs> Unless you're a murderer, in which case, stay stupid. Stay stupid. Thank you so much. Yep. Again, same thing. There are seven body parts that have been severed, placed in plastic bags, similar to Mulcahy and Marrero. It's the same exact marks for a third time. There was a lot of talk about what the killer's motives could be and a lot of talk about did he have some kind of sexual dysfunction? The experts are all like, what is the motivation? And they're like, they say sexual dysfunction. Hillary Bryce from the prosecutor's office, she's with us throughout. She is. She's got a moment in the end. Uh, she does. Yeah. Uh, her first theory is... We knew there was anger involved because the killings, uh, there was there was stabbing involved. So anger and possible sexual dysfunction were some theories. He was clearly furious. Like, the stab wounds are a lot. It's a very, very gruesome murder. And, like, we never really get the motivation. Like, we never meet the killer. No. We find out who the killer is eventually, but trying to figure out the why feels a little superfluous to me. Oh, Let's wow. just find him. You know what I mean? Let's, I agree. Let's, Let's just do that. find him. So this victim is Michael Sakara. He's 52 years old. Sounds awesome as fuck this he, guy. Uh, he sounds amazing. Yeah, so yeah. he'd go to the Five Oaks Piano Bar every night after work. So I looked this bar up because I'd never heard of it. <laughs> and you, and I, I can comfortably say I know most of the gay bars in New York City. Right. Granted, this was like 25 years ago that this was happening. I was barely born. Barely. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you 21. so much. Oh my God, I know. It's hap- it's all going by so fast. Right. But this was like a piano bar row where it was like yeah. Five Oaks, Marie's Crisis, Rose's Turn. And this guy would like come in after work and we meet this bartender. Her name is Lisa Hall. I'm obsessed with her. I googed her. Yeah, she's a singer slash bartender. You guys, to this day, yes. this is like 25 years later, she's still a singer bartender. And like, I know women like this. Like down, like down in the village, there's the duplex. There's yes, Marie's Crisis. Of course. All of these bartenders who are like these fabulous brassy broads yes. who like sling the drinks but also sing like Rose's turn. Yes, you know yes, what I mean? Yes, exactly. They're so great. Lisa's one of those. And she was saying that every night this guy Michael would come in at 9.30. He would come in and sit at his favorite bar stool and stay until 4 a.m. Every single night and then go to work and then do it all again. And she says, Mike was kind of our norm from Cheers at the Five Oaks. He would introduce other people to each other. I mean, he was like the social director at this little bar. 
and get people up to sing. He'd get up and sing. He really made it feel like a great inclusive party. Those kinds of people at bars can go one of two ways. Yes. I'm going to say. He went the good way. Remember that guy Ian from the Pates thing we did? Oh, about Sophie? (laughs) Yes, Fuck that guy. He's a murderer. He's the guy that would like stand in the bar and like spout his poetry. And read shitty poetry and everyone was like, fuck, here he goes again. No, no, no. Michael was the total opposite of Total opposite of When Michael walked in, people actually would get up and cheer his name. Oh, yeah. Yay. He sounds amazing. Yeah. So at 3 a.m., because Michael's still there, he stays still closing. Yeah. 3 a.m., someone new comes in, someone that no one in the bar knows and sits right next to Michael. And Michael, of course, is super chatty. He's like, strangers are just friends I haven't met yet. Yeah. Like, that's his whole vibe. And Lisa, bartender, is kind of like, Michael just started talking to him. And the fact that the guy came and sat right next to him, I thought, well, he must know him because who would just go sit right next to a person when there's a whole bar empty? Also, when you're in a movie theater and it's yeah. empty, don't sit next to the one person, like me. The that, one person does that happen? There all the time. Somebody sits next to you in an open movie theater? Yes. That's bananas. Or like anywhere. Anywhere yeah. where there's like a full two rows of totally. seats. <laughs> Can you just not yes. sit with the, in the one next to me? There are 18 other seats because to choose from. I am going to get up and move and I'm going to feel and look like an asshole, but I'm still going to do and it. And then you're taking the risk that the person's going to be like, what? And then <laughs> and, and now you have to have a conversation, too, on top top of it. Yeah. Oh, people. Like, why does anyone leave their house? I'm, oh my God. Excellent question. But so Mike introduces this guy as Mark or John. Lisa doesn't remember, but she says that like he introduced him as a nurse who works at St. Vincent's Hospital, which I gotta say, in the early fucking 90s, we're still dealing right. with AIDS and St. Totally. Vincent's was like the hotbed of like where all the AIDS patients went. Yeah. Oh my God. So Michael leaves with this guy and Lisa never sees him again. Yeah. Never sees Michael again. And never sees Michael yeah. again. But the nurse thing is big. It was a big deal because... It would have helped them with the disarticulation of bodies, knowing a human anatomy. It was important to us to investigate. It would help with the, with knowing how to dismember and uh, what what is that? Disarticulation. Disarticulation. Oh, oh God. God. I said we really need to stop saying that we, word. Oh God. All right. So Lisa does a composite sketch and they put it everywhere. It's all over the news. It's in the papers. It made the New York Times. But can I just say it doesn't look like a person? No. You know what I mean? Like we gotta do better with She's these composite sketches. Okay. I, She's I doing her best. She's a singer and a bartender with a heavy right. hand, and I, I love her for it. Let's not get mad at Lisa. No, I'm not mad at Lisa. But like the composite sketch doesn't look like a human being. I know. You know? Like, it just it's doesn't... still better than the egg from... <laughs> from Madeline McCann. Madeline McCann, that, that egg. That is unforgivable. With the bad bangs, the I, bad side I bangs. Know. So the media, of course, has to name this asshole because yeah. they have to, so they call him the last call killer. You know, but I, I kept saying, like, the media finally gets involved. I'm like, thank you for letting the gays know there's a fucking serial killer on the loose. How long are you going to sit on that, cops? And you know what? The gay and lesbian anti-violence groups, they put together this reward. There's yeah. $45,000. But in a twist, yeah. All the jurisdictions come together. Which they is very a task force. Nice. Yes. Freaking thank you. How many times have we had to scream about it this? It was like when we were doing the Times Square killer and it was like suddenly they cared about solving the murder of these sex workers. But they didn't think to go across the river and I have know. a conversation with the New York cops or the Jersey cops. I, it's one of those things where in this documentary, I feel like these cops want a little bit of a pat on the back for caring about the gays. For doing their job. You know what I mean? You're not getting it. No. <laughs> You're not getting it. Sorry. Not Thanks here. for doing not your today. job. But totally. like, <laughs> yeah, great. That's but, it. but you still didn't go back to townhouse at two in the afternoon because it's too much gay shit. Exactly. And Rick would have been very nice to And Mike could still be alive if that hadn't happened. You know what I mean? So they send that police sketch to everyone at St. Vincent's Hospital, obviously. And someone says, oh my God, I know who that is. The composite sketch led the task force to a male nurse at that hospital by the name of Mark Slayton. 
Mark Slayton even lived in the same Staten Island neighborhood where the purchases had been made by the killer. I was just thinking, oh, we're going for beers. We're going we're gonna to go for beers. This is big. This is crazy, because, like, this one cop and me are both like, we got the guy. This one cop's like, we're going for beers. I was going to say, Detective Gene, all he can think about is all the beers they're going to have after work today, because they got the guy. But let's go to, a, you know, a, a sports bar, real yeah. straight stuff. Enough with these gays. You know, I am no going to say, if you if you do catch a serial killer, you get to go for beers that day. They didn't catch him yet. No. no. There's unnamed. <laughs> Ask the guy a question or two, and yeah. then we can talk, maybe to have a conversation about a beer. Well, they bring this Mike Clayton guy in, and everyone thinks he's the guy, and he's got an alibi for every one of the murders. He's got an alibi for like where he was during it. And they also have him under surveillance too. Yeah. Well, they got to let him go because they don't have him on anything. And I was kind of like, we got, but we got the guy. Yeah. So while they're waiting for the fingerprints to come back, if it's a match, they let him go. They watch him closely. They have him under surveillance. And meanwhile, they go back through old cases to see if there are any connections. Because this guy lives on Staten Island. He's a nurse. Okay. Yeah. This is good police work, right? They're trying to like find more bodies that they can like connect the guy to more clues, whatever. So we're going back to May 5th, 1991. We're in Lancaster County. Pennsylvania. It's two years before these other murders. Right. A maintenance worker from the Pennsylvania Turnpike found a white male who had been folded into the fetal position and was placed in eight layers of garbage bags and was disposed of in a large drum on the side of the turnpike. And he was disposed of in a large drum on the side of the turnpike. Can I just pause for a second? Yeah. The level of evil you would actually have to be to do something like that to another living person. I know. Like, I know. honestly, like, can you walk into the bar at two in the afternoon and, do, and talk to some gay people I about know. it? Like, when you really think about, like, this horrible person who's, like, on the loose. I know. Could you talk to a gay guy and ask him a question? Ask him a, buy him a drink buy, first. But please. I, buy him a couple. Buy him a couple. Put Sing your a couple car songs down. Yeah. at the piano. A couple tunes from Bye Bye Birdie Never Hurt Anybody. Be a human being, Detective Mike. Thank you. But the other thing they find during the examination, they open up the victim's mouth and they found the victim's penis lodged in the victim's throat. And the thing is, like, that just tells you everything you need to know about the fucking killer. Like, clearly he's gay. He hates being gay. He wants to torture people. He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's a murderer, (laughs) gay or not. Well, I'm just saying that, like, there is some sort of, obviously, some sort of sexual motivation, right? Or self-hating. That's what I mean. That he's taking out on these other innocent people. Right. So our victim here, his name is Peter Anderson. He's from Philly. He's a father of two. He's separated from his wife. And he's bisexual and... A regular at townhouse. I mean... So, yeah, this is connected, so obviously. He's, also, he's got great taste in gay bars. Nobody even says that. Excellent. No excellent one ever taste. comes right out and says it. But what they do ask is, like, was Peter Anderson his first victim if this right. case was from two years ago yeah. and townhouse? Because they're saying... Four murders share the similar marks. All were disposed in plastic bags. All were disposed in areas open to the public. All four victims were actually stabbed in the torso area. All the victims in this case were drained of blood. All four victims were mutilated. It's not exactly the same. Not the disarticulation and the trash bags, but it looks like it could be the thing that, like... The starting point. Exactly. Right? And so this Mark Slayton nurse that we really were celebrating over beers because we got the guy, guess what? He's cleared. Back to square one. I guess so, but can we keep our eyes on him anyway? You know what I mean? He's like the nurse at St. Vincent's. Check. Yeah. It looks like the fucking composite sketch. Check. Is that all? (laughs) Because if we're going to keep eyes on him, you got to have a lot more checks than that. I'm just like, oh, God. Also, if you're this Mark Clayton guy, wouldn't you want to be like, 
who the fuck turned me in? Yeah. Was it Sylvia? It We've was. had beef since last week. And guess what, Sylvia? That pound cake isn't that good either. Okay? <laughs> I Sylvia from cover, HR, right? I wouldn't cover that shift for Sylvia, and here we are. Yeah, here we are. But no new bodies are turning up. But guess what? There's still a killer on the loose. Yeah. We got to get this guy, but they shelve it because there's no more evidence and, or anything. Right. Casey Jordan is saying to us, In most cases, the killer does not stop, is incapable of stopping unless for some practical reason they either go to prison move overseas but even though we have seen some serial killers take off years between killings they almost always start again they can't really ever stop unless you, like something happens like jail or like prison or something or that like, like family like what's his name the golden state killer what's yeah, his yeah, name? yeah joseph d'angelo yeah. he like stopped for a while but it's it's rare yes yeah. and so they shelve the case because there's no evidence so they just forget it great six years later it's 1999 technology has advanced and one of the cops describes yeah you know so we sent all the information to uh the uh the fingerprint society <laughs> the what <laughs> Is that what they call Did you finally get all the computers to talk to each other? And now that's just called the Fingerprint Society? Because I don't care what you name it. We just all got to get on the same page. No, I know. And the thing is, like, we have not, like, in America, we don't have the fingerprint technology or whatever. But they do in Toronto. They fucking have to drive to Canada. I love that, like, fingerprint technology has advanced in Canada. Right. Not America. And so they drive. We actually took the thank you bag and another white plastic bag and physically drove them to Canada. They tested the plastic garbage bags from Thomas Mulcahy. The results of this examination with the new system produced 17 fingerprints. They end up getting 17 fingerprints. And now fingerprints are showing up on other cold cases. Yes. And I got to say, it is very good that these guys care enough to do this. They could have left this case on the shelf, but like they want to get the guy. Good for them. Right. And now it's still two years later. Also, I'm in New York City by this point. I am now, and I go to the townhouse. I am vulnerable. We were sitting next to each other at a townhouse. <laughs> I know we must have been. We had to have been. Oh my God. Oh, you're the one that's saying maybe this time. That was me. <laughs> there used to be a woman there. I don't know if she goes anymore, but there used to be a woman who would be like, this was her dream and she was older than me and she would come in a red sparkly <gasps> sequin dress and just be like the belle of the ball. Oh God my bless God. Her. She'd sing every like show stopping <laughs> 11 o'clock number. Totally. The fellas loved her. Oh, she loved them. She yeah. was Roxy Hart living her life. That red sequin dress. Of I will course. never forget it. But everybody shut up. <laughs> it's 2001. There's a break in the case. We have a goddamn match. Yes. So the state of Maine, of all places, <laughs> yep. announces that they have a match. And the fingerprint comes back belonging to the person of gays. Pull over. Everyone shut up. It's it, just pull over. <laughs> Happy Pride. The fingerprints came back to a person by the name of Richard Rogers. The killer's name is Richard Rogers. Now, hold on a second. <laughs> Rogers with just a G, no D in Rogers. Yes, yes, now, yes. to the gay, the Broadway world, not that one, not yeah. the first one to win an EGOT, not yeah. like Rogers isn't Rogers and Haberstein. Like the guy who wrote Oklahoma. Uh, but not him. Not him. But not, not him. him. No. Hamilton right now is at the Richard Rogers Theater exactly. on Broadway. Exactly. Not him. But Richard Rogers, I was like, how gay are we getting I here? Know. <laughs> It oh would have been God. like if the guys was like the guy's name was like Harvey Milk with a CK. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> also, the first person to win an EGOT, that's a really big deal. That is a big deal. Rogers and Hammerstein, my but God. They take a picture of this Richard Rogers to bartender Lisa. They had showed me pictures through the years of all these men. But finally, when they came with this one sheet of pictures, and I said, that's him. 
Richard Rogers, this is the guy. This is the guy that left with her friend Mike and she never saw him again. Right. And then she tells all the gays, they got him. It's Richard Rogers. No, 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 not, no, 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 no. Not that one. Everyone's like, oh, the collective gas with Townhouse. Rick is playing the piano. Boom, slams on the keys. What? As he's playing something like from totally. South Pacific, I gotta watch that man, right? What? Richard guys- Rod- no, 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 not that one. Not our Lord and Savior, Richard no, Rogers. No, 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 a different no, no, one. No, no D. No. No D in this one. Oh, God. This is our gayest episode. Pretty gay. I think this is as gay as it gets. A little bit. Okay. Richard Rogers? Happy Pride. Happy Pride. So here's the thing about piece of shit, Richard Rogers. He was born in Plymouth, Massachusetts the oldest of five children. His father was a lobster fisherman and his mother was a telephone worker. His father was a hunter who taught Richard Rogers how to hunt deer and catch fish. That is consistent with what we know about serial killers. They are very often hunters or fishermen. This is the weirdest statistic. She throws every <laughs> hunter and or fisherman right under the bus because when we learn that he was, like he learned how to hunt and fish, uh-huh. she's like, oh yeah, that tracks. Yes. Serial killers are usually fishermen. They feel nothing about killing an animal. And I I'm know. like, Casey, check your DMs, girl. You're going to be in so much trouble. Like, what a reach. I know. And that's coming from me who, like, I'm not going to personally go hunting, but I understand that people do. It. Yes. Like, Casey, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> Most serial killers are fishermen. <laughs> Casey, girl. You know, I wonder if Casey's ever lost a night or two at the townhouse. If she did, she'd know better not to say shit like this. <laughs> yeah, that was really bad, Casey. <laughs> like, what are uh, you talking about? But now we go back and get, like, Richard Rogers' backstory. We meet his college roommate, Don Clubberly. I have Cubberly? Okay, great. What he's trying to say is, oh, Richard Rogers. Uh, not that one. <laughs> oh, he wouldn't hurt a fly. Right. What yeah. he says is the guy I knew just I don't he wouldn't hurt that cockroach that was on his suitcase. Richard wouldn't hurt the cockroach on his suitcase. I know. And I'm thinking, I've never heard anyone say it like that. Isn't it he wouldn't hurt a fly? Like <laughs> You're he, killing me tonight, he, he I'm not gonna make it out of the He wouldn't flies. kill the goddamn cockroach, cockroach on the suitcase. suitcase. Well guess what? I, I know. would. I know. To hell with all of them. Those cockroaches. I have no use for them. They're not like Spiders no, or, or other things were like, no, they're good for the yeah, ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Cockroaches offer nothing, <laughs> for nothing but panic and fear <laughs> and know. the stuff of nightmares. I told you the time I had, them all. I had two flying cockroaches in my house. Can't talk about it. Cannot talk about it. <laughs> they're on me. They're in me. They're in my mouth. They're in my ear. They're in my hair. They're in my water bottle. This is the reason I can't go to prison. I'm afraid I'll get a cockroach in the ear like Claire Danes did in that movie. Broke down palace. Yes. Earwig. Yes, so, totally. <laughs> uh, bigger things. Bigger yeah. fish to fry in prison, sure. if you will. I guess. Then the I cockroaches. Cockro- probably... The cockroach will be my only friend, honestly, if I'm You know what? It, it's the tax fraud I didn't mean to do. You got to get Yankee Hank. Bill, I know. Bill Pullman <laughs> from Broke Down Palace. Damaged. Oh. I'll show you. We got to right the ship here. Oh, God. So this college roommate says Richard wouldn't kill cockroaches or whatever. He's yeah. mild-mannered. He wouldn't speak. Don gets proven wrong real quick. He became friends with a new roommate. They were attached at the hip. Everyone suspected that, you know, he and his roommate were, you know, probably gay. Everyone's assuming they're gay lovers. And Hillary Bryce from the prosecutor's (laughs) office has the nerve to say. One of the most fascinating things to me is that in the 70s, when he was in college, he killed his roommate. Maybe the most fascinating thing about I, all this is that Richard killed that roommate. I know. Hillary! I know. 
Can we I have know. a little respect and I decorum know. for these people here? This He was a brutal murderer. Yeah. There are a lot of victims here. It's not fascinating at all. No, and the thing, so guys, if like if, in case you missed that, the second roommate that everyone thinks Richard Rogers is like hooking up with, he kills the guy. And Richard Rogers' story is that this guy came onto me. I wasn't into it. Then he came at me with a hammer. So I killed him with the hammer in self-defense. The gay panic defense. Gay panic. It goes to court. Everyone's like, we don't want to talk about the gay stuff. Acquitted. They acquit this guy of beating this guy to death with a hammer. Right, but they were dating. They oh, were boyfriends. As far as we know. But like, It doesn't matter. The point is who gets, right, right. He like murdered this guy and gets away with it. But the state of Maine in a twist says you are acquitted, but we are going to always and forever keep your fingerprints on file. And that's how they got the guy. They should always do that, no? I well, guess if you're acquitted. He was acquitted. Yeah, but they knew. But they he just did. didn't want to talk about the gay <laughs> so, shit. They were like, we know this guy right. did it. Yeah. Now get to the townhouse. Yeah, but no homo. No homo. The other thing that Casey says to us, what's Casey's like? Casey Jordan? Jordan. She's like, everyone's talking about this incident where he killed the roommate. And he's like, maybe from that first homicide, Richard Rogers felt some kind of thrill that awoke in him something that made him want to do it again. We call this the uncorking. We call this the uncorking. I said, Casey, what? The We've never once heard that no. term. The uncorking? Casey and Hillary no. have to go out and have their I own know. two drinks they and do. learn how to I talk know. about this respectfully. The uncorking? Casey. Never in my life. Call Diana. We've been Diana's. doing this for five years. I know. I've never heard the Diana's uncorking. Diana's horrified. I know. The un- Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here. So Rick, the piano player from Townhouse, is back. And yeah. he's like, look, I got news for you. Richard was a regular at Townhouse. Yeah. Thomas Mulcahy, the first victim we learned about in this episode. And Peter Anderson, the probably first guy from two years ago. Yes. And can I just say the vindication I felt here? What I said at the top of the show is true. If the cops had gone back and talked a five more more minutes yeah. to the gay bartender or the gay piano player or that lady in the red dress or yes. the newlyweds, Jillian and Mike, <laughs> they would have found out, like, wait a second, I do know that guy, Tom Mulcahy. He's a regular here. He left that night with this other regular that I see here all the time. Right. Here's the name. Then Mike downtown with bartender Lisa is still alive. Right. If that conversation had happened. I couldn't agree more. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It makes me crazy because, like I said, especially in the early 90s, there weren't that many gay bars. Like, if you went to a gay bar, you went there every single night. Everybody yeah. knows everybody. Yeah. So either the killer would have been the new guy that would have stuck out and everyone would have remembered him or everybody would have remembered him because he's a regular and goes there all the fucking time. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So Richard Rogers, not that one, was... Right, different he, he was a nurse, but he wasn't just... He was a surgical nurse. So this is big. And he wasn't a nurse at St. Vincent's. He was a nurse at Mount Sinai. Right. He was a surgical nurse, so he knew how to decapitate an individual with the least amount of resistance. In other words, knowing exactly where to saw... He'd know how to take a body apart, to yeah. which I say, can we please be nicer to nurses? Because they're just walking around with knowledge about how to dismember Isn't us, that- and they're choosing not to <laughs> on a See, daily basis. Mine is a nurse. I should remember that the next time I complain about how hot it always is at your house, Judy. Be nicer I to nurses. I love you so much, and you make great, but, like, the guest room's always hot. That's unacceptable. I know. But at work, I'm yeah. sure she's on, everything's on the up Listen, and, up. and she could, she's probably thinking about dismembering me right now. They, like, nurses are walking around with I that know. knowledge, and I they're know. choosing not to. Also, can we pay nurses more? Yeah. Fucking service. Surgical nurses? I didn't even know that That's was a thing. That's under the umbrella of being nicer to them. Yeah, totally. Can you <laughs> yes. give them a living wage? I know. My God. Can you not make them work to the bone? Yeah. 18-hour days saving lives? Literally to the Literally? bone. Literally? Oh, God. I'm I the know. worst. Also, Richard Rogers, not that one, doesn't have an alibi. Right. And in fact, investigators obtain Richard Rogers' work records and discovered that for each date of each murder, Richard Rogers was off from work. That was one of my favorite pieces of evidence. 
he was off of work every single time there was a murder. And Hillary from the prosecutor's she office, laughed. she's beside herself. She's like, that is my favorite piece of evidence. I know. Her words. I know. Couldn't wait. I know. I know. So the cops are like, we got to go pick this guy up, right? Yeah. And they're like, but we're afraid he's going to run. And we don't really have anything on him yet. So they make up a lie. The police meet Richard Rogers at Mount Sinai Hospital and give him the impression they want to converse with him concerning him being the victim of a credit card fraud. He goes with them uh, willingly without issue. Hey, we need you to come downtown to talk about some credit card fraud happening against you. I'm so you. sorry, Richard Rogers, but you are the victim of credit card fraud. <laughs> Please come downtown with us. And he's like, 1,000%, absolutely. My thing is, when you've killed four fucking people on the cop show for any reason, are you just assuming the jig is up? Or, I mean, I feel like you're sweating bullets as yeah. they're walking down the hallway. And uh-huh. you're like, credit card fraud. Ha- <laughs> happily. So glad. 1,000%. <laughs> also, this guy wanted to get caught. He yeah. was sort of, wait. he's probably like, what took you so long? Uh-huh. He was ready Idiots. to go. Yeah. So it's May 28, 2001. They've got him in the investigation room and they they say they're like looking into the homicide of four gay men in New York City and they say they've got evidence that traces it back to Staten Island and we know, say the cops, that you were the last person seen with Michael Sakara from that downtown bar. And the minute they say that name this is when he starts getting nervous. Yeah, the cop says He had been sitting with his hands on his knees and his feet on the floor Once he was confronted he then changed to a defensive posture He starts sweating. He was acting extremely nervous and worried. He's sweating. He's nervous. He's worried. And he asked for a lawyer. He asked for a lawyer, but he does admit to knowing Michael Sakara. Then the cops are searching his house, right? Yeah. And one of the cops is like, I got to tell you, this was the neatest, cleanest residence I've ever been in. I got to say, they use the example that he vacuumed in rows and they show us a picture of the living room and you can see it's like a fucking lawnmower. Right. But like, there's also no warmth or character. Like, it's neat because there's nothing in it. Yeah. There was like, a couch and a nightstand. That's I gotta it. say, from a person like who isn't particularly neat, it looks really neat. It looked like a living room I'd like to sit in. But it looked like, are you moving in or are you moving out? It looks like if you had a couple days, yeah, you know yeah. what, I'll just bring the couch on Tuesday <laughs> and then Saturday we'll bring everything yeah, yeah, yeah. else. There was <laughs> nothing in it. It's true. But you could see the rows. Like, you know when you yes. go to like a baseball game and you can see they mowed it in yes, rows? Yes, 1,000%. That's what it looked like. That's how this guy vacuumed. And you know, he fucking loved it. He probably spent all day Saturday vacuuming. Well, like, to me that makes sense because he was meticulous yes, and yeah. disgusting and he liked his rituals and uh-huh. it's horrible not ritual that you just heard about no. that's <laughs> he probably would have loved that ritual Covers Rogers not that one diet. ritual not that one <laughs> separate it but they also found you know shopping bags that were used they found sedatives which yeah. they are saying he was using on all of the men and then they find the Polaroids we opened up a drawer and we saw some photographs as soon as we looked at them everyone was in a state of shock because he was taking pictures from his apartment out the window of these construction workers out there with no shirts on. And he actually wrote like what looked like stab wounds with blood, drops of blood on them. He's drawing stab wounds on them. Yeah. He's like fantasizing about what he's eventually oh, going to do to somebody. God. Also, like construction workers are supposed to keep their clothes on. Like the whole point of like why they have to wear jeans in like 110 degree day is so they don't like burn their legs. But I guess if they're like paving a street. I guess. it's August or whatever, you can take your shirt off. I, I hope guess. they're wearing sunscreen. 100 SPF. <laughs> I know. You think I'm kidding? No, you have the, the whitest, only... <laughs> clearest, most beautiful skin I've ever the seen. Only, from 70 and up is the yeah, only thing I, I use. I think scientific, you're supposed to use at least 40. And for everyone asking, moisturizer and sunscreen is all you need. I know. <laughs> Don't fall for all those, like, expensive... Moisturizer. You're not going to get me on moisturizer. <laughs> How the fuck else are you going to say it? M-O-I. 
I love you. I love you. God. So they know this is the guy. They build a case around the fact that he had these like distinct patterns, like the disarticulation, the trash yeah. bags, all that. So it's the Mulcahy and the Marrero cases they move forward because they yeah. have the strongest evidence. And if they're going to get them, yeah. these are the two cases that they bring. After four hours of deliberation, the jury reaches a verdict. We were all nervous. The jury looked very upset. I think I saw at least one juror crying and I didn't know what to make of that. And... It, it had me very worried that they thought they had to acquit him. And then we heard them say that the verdict was guilty. Guilty of both murders. It takes the jury less than four hours to find him guilty on four life sentences. And the judge decides he has to serve these consecutively. A lot of times it's concurrent, but these are consecutive and he has to serve 65 years before he'll be eligible for parole. So obviously he's going to die And he's already 55, so yeah. bye. Bye. <laughs> but but actually, not yes and no, because the, we get some on-screen text. Richard Rogers, not that one, is yeah. currently serving his sentence in New Jersey State Prison. He'll be eligible for parole in 2071 when he would be 120 years old. <laughs> Rogers is also suspected in the 1982 murder of Matthew Piero in Florida, and that case remains unsolved. Wow. When he when he would, I love how he would be. Yeah. He's not breaking any records being no. the oldest living person. <laughs> no, he's going to die in there. Bye. Bye. Oh, girl, what's this one called? The Last Call Killer. We did it. We I've did it. never heard of this. I don't know how you never heard of it. It's pretty famous. The it's guy's so name is Richard Rogers. I know. Half of it took place at Townhouse. That's my name written all over it. Oh, my goodness. Well, speaking of fam, I hope you're checking out Jillian's new podcast oh, every thanks. Thursday. Let the Women Do the Work documentary style podcast. Each episode is framed around a woman in a true crime case and a story that you haven't heard. And it's right here in your TCO feed. You yep. do nothing. It's you just going to show up for you every Thursday. Yep. Come see me on tour. I'm saying tour. Come see me on tour. Mm. Two syllables. Who's going to do your laundry while you're I'm away on tour? I'm going to do your laundry in Atlanta, Florida, Texas, and St. Paul. Go to truecrimeobsessed.com. Click on the CS Live link to get the tickets there. Yep. Join the Facebook group. I feel yeah. like I'm saying, forgetting to say it. It's True Crime Obsessed podcast discussion group. We are like 47,000 members. It's your true crime best friends. Something like that. Yeah. And you have to answer questions to get in because yes. it's very heavily moderated. So answer the questions. Yeah. A lot of people like, don't. maybe it's not obvious that you have to do that, but sometimes Sometimes I get DMs like, why aren't I accepted? You have to answer all you the You got to answer the question. Yeah. I just had a parenting group that I did not get accepted to because I forgot to answer the question. So that's a real thing. So you know. Yeah. Right. Lastly, come to Obsessed Fest. We haven't oh, talked right. about it a lot in a minute, but like we're about to make some major announcements. It's happening September 30th to October 2nd in Columbus, Ohio that's at the right. Grand Hyatt. Yeah. Everybody from the True Crime Podcasting world is going to be there. It's going to be 2,200 of your True Crime best friends. Uh, Do not be afraid to come alone. We're oh, going to yeah. make sure people meet each other. Everyone becomes best friends. And speaking of the Facebook group, a lot of people are coming alone and they're already forming little meetups and stuff like that. Yeah. So you will not be alone. There's nope. no such thing as alone. So get your tickets at ObsessedFest.com. It is selling out fast. That's all. Great. What are we doing next, girl? Oh, girl. What is it? We are doing the 2020 episode, The Influencer of Soho, about Anna Delvey. I oh! sent you the liar transfer. Oh, I'm so... <laughs> You're so basic. Why are you dressed like that? You look so yeah. poor. Oh, I'm so excited. I I know I know nothing about this case. Oh, I don't know. I, whatever. We'll get okay. into it. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings like about how dumb men are. It's a real hot take in real, this booth. Follow me for hot takes. I know no one's ever said that, right? I'm real original. Stay tuned for the trailer for that. Our amazing and hilarious outtakes. That's it. We love you. We love you. See you later. Bye. Have fun at Townhouse. Be respectful around the piano. Yeah. Everyone's allowed to but sing. But do go to Townhouse. Go, 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 go. Okay, bye. Bye, Rick. Anna's story is a story that actually novels are made of. A globe-trotting life of glitz and glamour for one woman masquerading as an heiress. She woke up one morning and she decided to be somebody else. 
somebody must have started the idea that she was an heiress. And who would have started that besides Anna? It was the Kardashian lifestyle. The wannabe socialite becomes a tabloid sensation. I certainly wish I had never met her. Rachel fell hook, line, and sinker for the narrative that she was in line to inherit tens of millions of dollars. She owed me more money than I made in a year. So pay me my money. Like, just to, like, sit on this for a quick second. <laughs> Maybe I'll use a different Please do. <laughs> You're not going to say he's from Sudbury? Is that a thing? <laughs> he's from Sudbury, Massachusetts. It's, it's Sudbury? Is yeah. that Sudbury? It's Sud... Uh, oh... Well, now I'm not sure. Well, maybe it's there you go. Sudbury. But he's from Sudbury, Mass. Massachusetts. Why <laughs> <laughs> you hesitate? Mass. Massachusetts. Mass- yeah, that's your home. Your that's home where state. I'm from. I yeah. know. God. All right. Well, I'm not wrong. It's just. No, <laughs> you never are. You know what I mean. 